Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Great show on tap today. We have Christian of Day One Sparkling Water, which is a CBD hemp beverage. Uh, they're doing things a little bit differently. We talk about the science behind it, what makes good CBD, what makes bad CBD, and how to build a brand. Christian comes from a great background at Johnson & Johnson and Red Bull, and he's taken those learnings and he's applying it to the hemp CBD cannabis industry. It's fascinating stuff, guys. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. I want to take just one second to talk about cannabis in the time of Corona and more specifically how far we have come in the cannabis industry. Could you imagine if we had this happen five, six, seven years ago? The idea that cannabis would have been deemed an essential business by California and the other states that have done it is just remarkable, guys. We have to stop and think, be appreciative of how far we've come that we can still have cannabis delivered or it's one of the few places you can still go in your town, in your city in California and pick up cannabis. They've deemed it essential, like they have a medicine, like it's a pharmacy. That's incredible. And I just wanted to take a second to be appreciative of that. All right, let's get into the show, guys, with Christian of Day One. Let's just get started on an easy one. What is Day One? So day one, it's uh, new sparkling CBD water, uh, as you already mentioned, uh, created in Los Angeles, uh, proudly made in California, and uh, it's a fantastic product that we launched uh, last year. It comes in three flavors, comes in lime, lemon, and grapefruit. I have um, the grapefruit here. Yes. It's very nice. I've had this before. I've had the um, just the lemon one before that I just bought locally here, and it has a very light flavor to it which I really appreciate. Some of them are just over-flavored. Do you find that too? Correct, yes. Yeah. So when, when, when we were building the, the brand and the product, most important I would say the product, what we um, thought about was uh, we knew that CBD and we're confident that CBD is going to be a huge category. It's already happening as we speak in the market. But the most important thing was uh, thinking about what type of products would resonate with uh, millennials and Gen Zs, younger consumers, that are looking for healthier, better for you, and great tasting types of products. Mm -hmm. So we decided to um, go with the sparkling water, which is a very effective way to uh, take CBD. Yep. Very refreshing, and you can take multiple times. It is very refreshing. You can drink a number of them. I think the last time I had it, I had maybe four. So you can drink a lot of them. Um, 20 milligrams. How did you get to that uh, amount? How did you get to that dosage? Why 20 and not? Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, obviously these are the early days of CBD. There's not yet a lot of regulations or recommendations from the FDA and so on. What we have heard from some uh, research groups and people in the industry is they're recommending an average of 130 to 150 uh, milligrams per day. Mm -hmm. We didn't want it to put all that in, in one can. We believe that consumers are taking CBD in different parts or consumption occasions of the day. could be in the morning or in the afternoon, like right now, that you're taking the, the product. So... We believe that by having 20 milligrams, it's a good amount if you're taking two or three cans a day plus, let's say, a tincture or another type of CBD product, yep. you can definitely have the 130, 150 milligrams that you need per day. And I know that there's no THC in here. Um, how should somebody expect that it interacts 
if they, I mean, I smoke weed all the time, right? And so when I drink one of these drinks, should I expect something different than if I had consumed it totally sober? Definitely. So uh, CBD, basically, uh, cannabis, what it does, it's an adaptogen. So if you are, let's say, very stressed or having anxiety, basically, meaning higher than that uh, average or that middle ground, it helps you to calm down, to be more relaxed. Not necessarily get you sleepy, but it, you basically feel more relaxed, more chill, more cool. And on the other hand, if you are very tired or you're not feeling necessarily at your best, it helps you to come back and reach that uh, middle ground. So it's a product that we have heard from a lot of consumers that they use it at work, mm-hmm. that they use it after working out because it can help with a little bit of that relaxation and, and releasing a little bit of, of pain and so on. Uh, and again, I'm saying this, there's not a lot of clarity from, from the FDA. Right. There's not necessarily a lot of research, but this is basically just on uh, feedback. Just anecdotal. Exactly. Yeah, just anecdotal. But that does have some value. I mean, it's not the same as a double-blind study, but, I mean, that's how we do a lot of things in life. Like, did you like that movie? You didn't do, like, an empirical test Correct. of the whole town to say, like, oh, did you like this movie? You're asking your friend, you know? And if your friend liked it, the likelihood that you like it is pretty high, right? That's kind of... It's kind of the way it works in all cannabis today, That's which correct. is kind of interesting. That's correct. Um, so you're not a founder. You came to this how long ago? How far into the process were they when you joined? So I joined the company six months ago, and uh, I would say probably like four months or so, four to five months before that, it's when the team started uh, ideating and building the, the packaging, the product, the initial formulations, the first flavors. Uh, and I have to say that when I joined the team and when I was starting to talk with the team, they had a great product, but there was um, some opportunities and obviously it was the early days in terms of building the brand, defining the overall strategy, defining the go-to-market plan, um, basically the full, full plan to make this a successful brand first and most important, and then how to go to market. So that's what I've been doing for the last six months. Mm-hmm. And they found you, you found them? How it was an interesting conversation. So based on my all my life, I've been in consumer goods, yeah. most of my career in uh, big consumer goods companies. And uh, the last almost two years, I decided to go on the startup uh, path. Uh, I do believe that today, at least probably the last three or four years, have been the most aggressive in the last three or four decades in terms of huge CPGs, putting attention in smaller, very small, I would say, even uh, CPG startups. So I was at another startup, and uh, I got a call that they were interested, based on my background, to bring someone that can help them take this um, CBD brand to the next level, basically, mm-hmm. and help them launch it and so on. You're very humble. You've had some incredible jobs in these CPG companies. I mean, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, more recently Red Bull. Like, There's this narrative in the cannabis industry that we all really need people like you today, right? That it's going to be marketing and branding and packaging was all of that background as good of an experience to have this job as everybody thought it would be? Definitely, definitely. I'll tell you that there are several things that are, there's some things that are unique to uh, CBD and uh, the category itself, but most of the, even I would say all the forms and different types of products that you're using for CBD, they existed before. Uh-huh. Uh, CBD is a new uh, ingredient that is providing a lot of benefits to consumers. But the forms, the way you market them, the way you talk to the consumers and so on, even the, the way you're building the brands could be a very functional type of uh, uh, communication or type of brand or a very focused lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's part of what I've been doing for the last almost 20 years of my career. Yeah. I was hoping that was going to be the answer. If you said no, it would have been hard to keep going. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this very tactically because there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are entrepreneurs or what I like to call entrepreneurs. A lot of investors too, but we'll ignore them for the moment. What's going to win? How do you develop a good brand? What's good in packaging? What kind of logo should you have? I mean, these are big questions for people that you've spent your whole career doing, right? What I would say, it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's just one thing that makes it unique. It's several things. The probably top four things, three to four things that I can tell you is first and most important, having, uh, I would say, a brand that it's authentic, that it stands for what it truly uh, was created for. Not necessarily being one more brand, one more private label brand with a new sticker or a new uh, brand that truly have a strong brand equity, a strong personality, a strong voice, a point of difference versus the the competition or whatever else is in the market. That was the first thing. The second thing I would say is understanding, truly doing. That's one of the things that I probably would position as one of my biggest learnings in all my career so far in those companies is truly understanding and listening to the consumer. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies, even more as an entrepreneur, and a lot of the times that that works that you have you follow your gut and you're like I don't care everything that has happened in the past I'm just gonna go this other uh, new path, but it's very important always to to uh, listen to the consumer, and I would say the third one is making sure that you have a really really good product because if you have a fantastic brand and you're paying attention to the consumer it's very likely that people are gonna go and buy your brand but if the product isn't good 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 like uh, good luck because mm-hmm. it's going to be a one time purchase and you're not going to have retri- right. or a repurchase or trial again so right. it's very important i would say in the, there's other other topics but those three are critical and uh at the same time this early on the game you have to take risks if mm-hmm. you don't take risks and you're just playing the safe game and uh not pushing the envelopes and so on even more nowadays with uh, all the competition and some brands in a matter of less than a month are already online and consumers are finding about you and so on. You have to take risks to, to, to go outside of the box. So I think that was an amazing synopsis. Thank you. Apply that to day one. Like, what are we doing here? How did you tell us about the origin story, the brand, all the things you just said are important. Obviously, you decided this brand was worth spending your time on, right? Definitely. Why? So I'll tell you a little bit of, of my conversations back when I was... Uh, uh, discussing with the uh, original team that was building the brand. So goes back to the three same principles that I told you. The first one is day one, uh, the way the team started building day one, and we have been working on for the last six months, we see day one not just as a functional beverage or as a functional product. We see day one as a lifestyle brand. And what I mean by a lifestyle brand is um, something that it doesn't matter if you're in the morning waking up or getting ready uh, or getting ready to go to work after your workout or if you're working, or if you're going to go out with friends, it's... Uh, or you're with your kids. Or with kids. Whatever. Whatever. It's a product that can be yeah. uh, with you along the way in different yeah. moments of need. Uh, and the, the name Day One stands for that opportunity that you have to start over and over and over again. doesn't matter how old you are, what you're trying to accomplish. Got you can it. have the one person that is trying to get ready for a marathon, or the one person that's trying to get ready for the most important meeting of your life, or someone that wants to start something again. It talks about that's one of the values of the brand, the resilience, the the invitation that we give to the consumers to start over again. And we believe that CBD can help consumers to do that. Wow. Either if you want to reduce, and once again, I'm not claiming anything, but reduce stress to be more relaxed, to focus on a presentation or at work, 
or if you are you had a crazy workout or you were running 20 miles and you want to relax uh, to have a little break and start again uh, day one can can accomplish that so that was very important having a brand that can truly resonate with the consumer on the second part i would say truly understanding the consumer um, we developed formulations that uh, it's great tasting you're trying it right now you don't necessarily taste at no, all. No, it's great. It's very across. light. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't taste the bitterness of the mm-hmm. CBD, and it's not too carbonated. Some of these drinks are too carbonated or not carbonated enough. That's a real right. balance, right? We yeah. want to make sure that it was refreshing, that people will try more and drink more during the day, and at the same time that you wouldn't have that aftertaste of uh, bitterness yeah. that comes from the CBD. Yeah. Um, so there are so many CBD sparkling waters out there, as you know, but they're not all created equal. That's just the truth. There's some that I do really like, though. There's some I really like. How do you cut through that noise? I mean, if you are in California today, you have no idea what's going on. CBD hemp, uh, or CBD hemp, CBD from hemp, CBD from cannabis, adaptogen is this word everybody's throwing in now. You know, how do you get this education out there? Because I think for a lot of people, they're like, wait, like. Do I get high? No. Oh, it doesn't get you high? Okay, then why do I want it? Like, you know, there's just so much misnomer out there, so much miseducation, I think. Yeah, there's a clear gap uh, in terms of uh, CBD understanding and where the CBD come from and difference between CBD and THC. There's a huge, huge uh, gap, as mentioned. I do believe this is up to uh, the brands and the manufacturers to take a step ahead and uh, educate the consumers. Yeah. I don't believe that probably for the next year, year and a half, uh, FDA or local authorities are going to do a lot. Why? Because the reality is budget-wise. You heard this on the news on, on Monday. For the first time, uh, Trump's uh, team basically uh, provided $5 million to the FDA to finally move forward with the research and close yeah. the last, uh, hopefully, the last gap that we all, all need in the industry. So I don't believe that they're going to be very proactive. But on the other hand, it's up to the brands to educate the consumer, to tell them the benefits from uh, CBD and how you can use it. But how? how? You can't do a lot of digital advertising, right? It's tricky in that way. Everybody's taking out billboards and sponsoring music festivals. But there's so little ROI from these things. How do you measure how you're doing? How do you measure this? I would success? tell you, going to the basics, that's always marketing. Some of the most successful, and I can tell you this, some of the brands that I worked in the past, multi-billion dollar brands, some of the most successful marketing tactics that they do go back to the basics. And what do I mean by basics? Sampling. If you have a really good sampling interaction with a consumer, with someone that is educated representing your brand that tells them what the brand stands for, what is the product, what is CBD, and what CBD can do for you in a very short, still effective One conversation. On one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, conversation. Yeah. It's better that you invest that minute and a half or two minutes with a consumer having a good conversation and most likely you're going to convert that consumer into a brand loyalist than being at, I don't know. And uh, does that need to be a hot, a hot girl? I think it depends per brand. Some brands are probably more, I remember back in energy drinks. uh, It's a category that definitely has uh, opportunity to have a more, uh, I would say experiential type of uh, moment with the consumer. But if you're talking, I'll tell you the other side of the spectrum with working with brands in the past like Oral-B. If you tell me it's the best thing to do to have uh, an attractive uh, guy or girl or or, or so on talking about the brand, no. 
you need someone that can truly be backing up the science. Someone so that's on, in a so. white coat, you correct. know. And, correct. Yeah. But education doesn't matter if it's Oral B or if it's an energy drink or if it's a feminine hygiene product that I worked in the past as well, which is funny being a guy, but <laughs> it, it definitely, definitely makes a difference. And yeah. that's how you start driving a lot of loyalty. Trial is critical. And again, what about day one? Is, is there a street team? Yes, we are. Once again, it's the early days. Uh, as you already know, we launched the two new flavors less than a month ago. And we're expanding very aggressively into several states that we'll discuss in a second. But yeah. uh, the sampling is for sure one of the most aggressive. We already started doing sampling here in Southern California. Cool. But you're going to see more of those street or non-traditional teams reaching more consumers across multiple states. Got it. So you brought up distribution. Let's talk about it a little bit. The difference here, of course, is unlike THC products... You can put this a lot of places. And I bought it several times in different corner stores. And I mean, I live pretty close to where you guys are based, right? But what's your reach like today? And how rapidly can you scale that? I think, well, I'll take a little bit of what we have done so far. And then uh, some of the opportunities that we have moving forward. And some of these opportunities, I would say, are similar in some ways for the rest of the competitors in the category. So what we have done so far since launch, we have distribution already in uh, California, Texas, Florida, uh, Chicago, Vegas, and uh, other places, smaller places like Arkansas, a little bit in, in Maryland. And uh, we're having conversations at least in six to seven different states. Uh, most of them are going through DSDs or distributors that are helping us expand and cover uh, or reach to more stores, basically independent convenience stores and independent stores, grocery stores, and so on. <laughs> Reason why is because most of the national um, chains that we all go every single week, they're not necessarily taking CBD yet. I've been in multiple conversations with at least six or seven of the top 10 retailers in this country. They love the product. They're very interested in the product, but unfortunately they can't put the product yet on their shelf. Why? Because this is not yet FDA uh, approved, so they're not necessarily willing to take that risk. Got There's it. other accounts that are willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. So I would say by probably April of this year, our goal is to be around 5,000 stores okay. across those states. Mm -hmm. And uh, That's a lot of stores. A lot of stores. I mean, brands that come on this show in the THC vein, I mean, they're excited if they're in 500 stores, right? Correct. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, that's the much bigger opportunity here. That's the right? beauty of, yeah. of having, it goes back again to the basics of, of CPGs. Just to give you a, a fact, there's a little bit over 150,000 convenience stores in the country. That's, that's the power of, of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And uh, close, a little bit over half of that are independent, basically mom and pop wow. stores. So obviously on the one hand, you have big chains like a 7-Eleven or a Circle K, a Chevron, Wow, and so on, that they're not necessarily taking CBD yet because of all these regulations. But on the other half, you have 52, 53% of the universe or all these stores that a big chunk of them are willing to take it and they know that consumers are asking for it. The reason why they're putting on the shelf is because they see the consumers People coming are asking, to the stores yeah. and they're like, hey, where's your CBD? Where's your CBD yeah. beverage? Where's? So they're, a lot of these stores are, when I was the last couple of days uh, with a distributor riding uh, their vans and visiting several stores, the there's not necessarily a lot of objections from uh, from the retail store owners and, and from their store clerks and so on because they know that this category is booming. Yep. They have other considerations like, hey, w what type of promotions do you have for me? Sure. Or how are you going to help me? Or what different flavors or this or that and so on. But they're bought into But they CBD know that CBD yeah, is sure. the next big thing. Yeah. It reminds me a lot, I'll give you the side uh, comparison, when energy drinks started in 1997. Obviously, I was not part of Red Bull back then, but I've heard this through a lot of colleagues that used to work with me. 
they were going to visit stores and uh, the goal was to have three facings of Red Bull, the original, the 8.4 ounce on the shelf. And uh, that was the plan. If the store said, no, I'm just going to give you one facing, they would say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to sell you the product of the store. It's either this or nothing. And a lot of stores back in the day said, no, I don't believe in your category. Your category doesn't exist. This is a joke. I'm not going to pay 2x or 2.5x what a soda costs because this is a higher price point product. Get out of, sometimes even like, get out of my store. I don't want to talk with you. And yeah. in less than a year, a lot of those accounts were like, hey, Red Bull guys, can yeah. you come back? And so on. So they create a category. And this is already happening with CBD. It's a, yeah. I would say it's a new category. It's a new, once again, ingredient that is providing a lot of benefits across multiple forms. Right. And the beauty is that a lot of uh, retail owners and retail, the, in, the people in the retail stores are aware of this. We're just waiting on regulations and more clarity from, from the FDA and Congress as well. And uh, this, is, this needs to be uh, approved and, and regu- uh, the, the regulations need to happen very soon. So one of the things that's absolutely required to become the winner or one of the winners is capital. Um, and you guys have kind of an interesting structure to how you've done this. Can you explain a little bit who you're owned by and, and how it works that way? Definitely. So we're part of a private equity fund, and uh, there's uh, investors as part of that group. And uh, within that group, it's pretty important to mention this because that makes us also unique in the category, at least within uh, beverage. Uh, we don't only do uh, CBD products. We have, uh, as part of the fund, we have our own uh, hemp farms here in California okay. and also our extraction facilities. Okay. So the goal, I can't officially say we want to be 100% vertically integrated because obviously we don't own the, the manufacturing of, of the product, but we want to integrate vertically as much as possible yeah. to provide, obviously, the best cost to the consumer and at the same time to make sure that the CBD and the technology that we're implementing in our products is best in class uh, and providing, once again, the best experience to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So how else does that benefit you or, I guess, not benefit you? Being a part of this much bigger fund, um, are you as nimble as you could be provided you kind of have this parent company? I would say it's a huge benefit Yeah, because you get uh, a lot of cross-functional support. Obviously, when you're in a startup um, you have limited capital that you can invest in in different right. roles. Having a bigger company where you can have some financial support or even accounting or legal. Legal, it's a huge Big critical deal, yeah. benefit yeah. that we're getting, yes, from, from the fund. We get this type of support on the one hand. And then on the other hand, uh, having the opportunity to have a team that every day, it's like a sister company of, of, of the one that I lead, that they are working on uh, seeding hemp. And then another company extracting the hemp and so on. And they're helping you to uh, achieve low costs. And at the same time, they have a huge network of other vendors and so on that you can leverage. It's basically like joining a, um, a club where you have access to a lot of information that if you were just on your own, as other uh, companies are, just on your own trying to reinvent everything from scratch, you can leverage those capabilities a lot. And this is an expensive category, right? You need a lot of money to do this well. Um, There's been a couple companies that have gone through traditional sort of technology incubators or accelerators. And I think they found out very quickly that it's not like having a tech company. You know, it's just very different. The challenges are different, requires more upfront capital. There's more risk in the sampling and all these different things. I mean, it's it's tricky. It's tricky what you do, my friend. Um, Okay, so we talked about distribution. Tell me a little bit about sort of the sell-through and how that works. I mean, what are you looking for? And I guess this is just CPG in general, right? Not just CBD, but like 
how quickly should it sell through and does it when it doesn't sell through what does that mean you know what do you do then well if it doesn't sell through you know the answer is like thank you for your business and don't right, come back but again. it could could it be that that store wasn't a good fit Ideal. that's a, you that's know? a yeah, yeah yeah totally totally no i would say at this point as of today not every single convenience store in the country will be successful with cbd why because Obviously, if you see some of the research in terms of uh, CBD awareness in the country, the region or the yeah, the region, you can say geographical region that it has been leading the game and setting the standards across CBD is the West Coast, even mm-hmm. more California. California and Oregon are, are leading the ways. Uh, Washington, you already know the, the all the regulations and bans that they have and mm-hmm. so on. But it's been West Coast mainly and younger consumers. So if you go to stores potentially, let's say in the central United States or more in the South or some other places, even here in California, that are not necessarily as aware of CBD, and CBD, as you already know, tend to be expensive products. Um, it is It's going to be difficult for someone, let's say, in an area that probably are not as aware of CBD, that they don't necessarily have, let's say, middle to higher income to pay a beverage that is probably four ninety nine, And forget a beverage. If you go with a some of the tinctures or serums on topicals oh, yeah. and CBD that are some of them $140, $150. Yeah. Very few of them can pay for that. So yes. uh, I would say in terms of the expectations, what we have been seeing from um, uh, convenience stores and other outlets, uh, every single channel has different uh, velocities and expectations. They're very similar to other beverages. Um, I would say if you are on average for a CBD uh, beverage selling, I would say north of probably 36 to 40 uh, units a month. Uh, I would say you're in a decent decent position, meaning okay. like you're surviving and you can definitely stay on the shelf. Got it. If you're under that, it depends because some products, the beauty, once again, of CBDs has high, high price points. So for every single can that you sell of day one or other competitors, you have to sell two or three of other brands. Why is it so expensive? Just because it's cool right now? Is there any no, the good cost, reason? The cost of CBD, and it's been decreasing, fortunately, in the yeah. last month. A lot, though. A lot, but still it's very expensive. I can tell you that uh, probably most likely for most of the competitors, the number one, uh, once you dissect the, the product, the number one driver of cost, even more probably than packaging still. So today, CBD, CBD yeah. it, that's going to change in the future. It's yeah. just uh, demand and supply. And at the same time, the technology... Uh, that comes with making sure that the CBD can be uh, water-soluble and the yes. emulsifications and so on. It's not as simple as just grabbing a tincture and dropping CBD. Of course CBD. not, no. That can apply if you're doing a, an orange juice here in the morning and so on, you can do it. But if you want to have a product that has that it's shelf-stable, yeah. that you can ship and it's going to stay in the shelf with a long life. And is this something you guys have done internally? Definitely, or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We have been... I can't say the names of uh, major, major top five national retailers that we have been in conversations with, but... Uh, we're working collectively with them to make sure that we have the best type of ingredients, that we have the transparency to the consumer. You can see it here. This is not unique to us, but the QR codes that come in every single one of our products, you can track them. Uh-huh. And based on the on the lot or the batch number that we have in the bottom of the cans, you can see that if this, let's say, lime can uh, had 20 milligrams of um, CBD, you can search it online and you can find the certificate of authenticity, the COAs, that proves that. And uh, and at the same time, making sure that the shelf stability is there because there's been, I would say, probably over close to two thirds of the brands in the market. And we have heard this from at least three to four different testing uh, facilities, different companies that test all these brands. Close to two thirds of the brand in the market are non-compliant. 
Yeah. And some of them are yeah. selling products to consumers. And that's one of our promises that if we're going to be selling products to consumers and we're saying we have 20 milligrams, we're truly delivering those 20 milligrams to the consumer. Give me a sense of the scale today. Like how many people have ever tried one? Based on the research that we have seen, this is across all CBD, not necessarily just uh, beverage. Okay. I would say um, the, the, the pros or the positive side of this is that a higher percentage of consumers are aware, at least younger consumers, I would say probably like 18 to 38, 40 years old. A big percentage, probably close to 70% of them are aware of CBD. Mm-hmm. They know what CBD is. And but when you say yeah. how many of them have tried CBD, yeah. I would say it's probably less than 15%. Yeah, I it's think very so low, too. Very low. I think so too. reason why, if you, and this is a uh, personal point of view, it goes back to the misunderstanding and miseducation. Yeah. There's this uh, misunderstanding that CBD is THC, that CBD is going to get you high, yeah. that CBD has psychoactive effects, and it's not necessarily the case. So. Yeah. It's going to take time. It reminds me a little bit of energy drinks, that there's a lot sure. of myths about energy drinks at the same time. And it's not something that you change. Educate, educating consumers from a marketing standpoint, it's always the most expensive and, and the, one of the uh, initiatives that takes the most amount of time, meaning most amount of time it's, or a long time is five plus, ten plus years. Well, I think, look, this isn't something you can talk about, but I can. I think one of the huge successes of Red Bulls and energy drink was mixing it with alcohol. Um, and... Again, I know you can't say this, but I certainly put these in all kinds of different things, in tequila or vodka or whatever, and um, they're quite good. So it may need to hit that sort of, you know what I'm saying? Like that's sort of the virality of what happened with Red Bull and others is they were like, oh, wow, well, I can drink and be fucking stoked the whole time you know like so i don't know maybe that's a thing it is i'll I'll tell you a little bit of consumer feedback that we have been receiving um several accounts are very interested some like let's say cafes or non-traditional type of accounts that some of these owners have also bars and things like that they are uh very interested in having some of them already have cbd products on their on their menus Reason why is because some consumers that are, let's say, during a happy hour or a Friday night, Saturday night, so on, they're going out and they're looking for something to drink without alcohol because they're in a diet or they don't want to drink or probably they're hungover or whatever it is. Something that helps them feel better, feel chill, relaxed or more calm without drinking. And like something just to drink too. Exactly. I had a boss that had to like wine and dine people all the time. And he used to put like a little bit of apple juice in like a rocks glass. So like looked like he was drinking all the time, you know, and it is, you're right. It like gives you another alternative. It's right. like, okay. And look, I don't give a shit. I don't drink that. I don't drink alcohol that much, but people, there's a lot of pressure. And if you can say, actually, like I'm having this, this is cool. Do you want one? Like you yeah. can totally deflect that conversation. Definitely. You know? And even more with younger consumers, yeah. there's a lot of, uh, research that has you have to be 18 to buy this to be 21. There's no clear regulations. We're yeah. targeting always people uh, over 18 yes. uh, yeah. from a CBD standpoint. And, um, and yeah, I would say it's, it's something that is coming soon, but it's unclear most, today. It's, it's part of So those. if a high school kid goes into the corner store, can they buy a Vibes? Can they buy a, if a they, day they one? They can buy it. Yeah. Uh, it's up to every single store. Got it. To, uh, Got once it. again, there's not a lot of uh, regulations or... Um, Control, there's no say. guidance, yeah. There's guidance no guidance so on. on it. But I would say there needs to be uh, just just for the sake. Um, well, this has been really fun, man. I'm really glad that we had a chance to catch up on this. I want to switch gears just a bit 
and kind of find out just a little bit about you. I like to talk about sort of what's behind the, the business and the executive. Um, you said you're from Mexico City, right? That's right. What do they think about CBD drinks in Mexico City? There's been a lot of momentum. Uh, it's very likely that probably even before summer, Mexico, so country overall approves uh, CBD, very similar to the U.S., even probably a step ahead of the U.S. by even sharing more clarity in terms of ingestibles and other types of forms. Uh, this is something that Congress in Mexico has been working. There are some things that have been shared on the news and so on that ideally this is going to happen by end of March. It may be a rumor, may not be, mm-hmm. but uh, they understand the potential. There's even some uh, pretty interesting business people that I know over there that are investing aggressively in hemp and farms and so on because mm-hmm. they know that this is going to be a big boom. Mm-hmm. And it's not only in Mexico. I would say in other pr- uh, countries like... Uh, Colombia, yeah, uh, the UK, Thailand, Japan, uh, they're pretty open. See, this is the wild part about some of the Asian countries, though, is like cannabis. They kill you. They they give you 700 lashes or whatever. So how are they open on hemp and CBD, but they literally murder you? Over it's the same thing, you know. Anyway, it's uh, the benefit the the. I would say benefits of one versus the other. It's it's different. I would say in some ways, but from uh, it's overall, different. But it's the same plant, you know. Yeah, like it's, 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 uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not the the expert. The but botanist. It's like yeah. a um, it's a different part strain, of the same right? family. No, it's like yeah. saying oranges are okay, but not mandarins. Correct. That's Correct. what it's like saying, Correct. you know, or tangents, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yes, I well, it's nonsense, you know. But there's more. Uh, some countries are already starting to be ahead of the game uh, versus the U.S. Yeah. Germany, I would say, is gonna sooner than later be one of those. Yeah. Germany already approved um, uh, pharmaceutical level CBD. Uh, across there's even some companies. Uh, I'm not gonna say names, but uh, some big pharma companies that are interested already and they're doing research on sure. CBD from a pharma level. So. It's it's just a matter of testing and understanding. They see the benefits from CBD, and it's just a matter of regulations and, and what to do and not. So I've heard other CBD companies say that they hope that this is sort of the end to a larger cannabinoid market, meaning other cannabinoid THCA or CBG or you know, right. there's a bunch of them. Do you guys foresee that? Are you going to have products with other cannabinoids? We are totally open. We believe that that's going to happen. We believe, and there's a lot of, you can Google it and see many, many uh, early stories about the benefits. There are some that are even really good in terms of energy. They say that even one of them could potentially change the game across the entire multi-billion dollar energy uh, drink uh, industry. Some that are very focused on, on pain or in sleep. Once again, I'm not claiming anything. It's just some of the... Anecdotal. Out there. Yeah. But I do believe that it's going to get to that point that with science you can get to a point that you have a very, very specific, highly functioning cannabinoid that you can use for, for specific needs. Mm-hmm. And that's truly when the, the projections that we even have for CBD today, if we're able to get it to that point and if we get all the support and regulations from uh, local authorities or, or federal authorities, this could be way higher than or way larger than a plus $20 billion industry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely could be bigger than that. Yeah. Um, So you're very familiar with corner stores or bodegas, right? Um, You know, these bodegas, these corner stores, they have these neon signs that are open 24 hours a day. If you had a neon sign above your head all the time, the rest of your life, 
what would it say? It's a great question. Uh, that's a really good question. Made me think. I would say it's gonna sound cheesy, but it's it's part of what where I find passion in life is helping others. So here to help or something like that. That's not cheesy at all, man. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great place to wrap up. Thank you so much, Perfect. man. Pleasure, Pleasure meeting you. Pleasure happening or having you. It's a wonderful drink. Good luck to you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Anything that we can do for you, anything we can plug, go to the website. Are you hiring anything? How can we help? I would say, well, help. The uh, first thing is help the entire industry by um, believing in CBD. There's benefits behind CBD that people uh, already, without us truly pushing behind them, nat- naturally and organically happening. So give it a chance and uh, support this because this is helping uh, local um, communities, uh, states, countries, and so on to provide a lot of jobs and, and uh, support the economy. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, I would invite people to, to try the product, to uh, let us know what they believe about the product. I'm always open to consumer feedback. How can we make it better? If they have ideas of new flavors or new configurations or new forms, whatever it is, we love feedback. Consumer is always king and happy to help them. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. See you next time, guys. Thank you.